0: hello my friends today we are talking to morgan kirk the cto at comscope and we discuss the exponential progression of technology the incredible future of home automation and how to handle people who want change but don't want to change themselves all of this right here right now on the modern cto podcast here we go this is the modern cto podcast Hello, Mr. Morgan.
1: Hey, Joe. How are you doing?
0: Good, buddy. I Got a hat on because can't get a haircut.
1: There you go. There you go. I bought my uh, my clippers myself.
0: <laughs> you know what? I've got a uh, got a little underground going on on Monday. So uh, okay, convince <laughs> <Rock> my. <on. laughs> I know. I know. I was like, what would you do uh, when you couldn't have alcohol, right? Yeah. Yeah. Little underground operations and stuff. So, Absolutely. Uh, I heard they... I heard the girls doing it. Like I heard like my <laughs> wife and her friends and they're like, Oh, we're going over to so-and-so's house to get a haircut. <laughs> I was like, let me get in on that.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, for guys, it's a little bit easier at the very least. Uh, I don't know what my, my wife is now in what week six or week seven. And she actually had her haircut by pure coincidence a week before. But she's now looking around, going, "So, how much longer is this gonna happen for?"
0: <laughs> I know, man. It's but do yeah, do yeah. you at least have like a an office to go into? or Are you stuck at the house?
1: I'm I'm stuck at the house. Uh, we we uh, we closed our offices um, six weeks ago uh, on Monday. Um, just uh, sent everybody home. Everybody who wasn't essential, you can go in if you have to, but. Um, and we have letters for it, but really for non-factory workers, we're working entirely out of the home across engineering, across, uh, finance, across HR. I mean, everybody is at home, um, except for our factories and, uh, believe it or not, it's working pretty well.
0: I didn't know you guys had factories.
1: Oh yeah. We, um, we make a significant amount of the gear that we, uh, we sell factories for in North Carolina, uh, Five in Mexico, um, a couple in India, a couple in in uh, Czech Republic, UK, Belgium, China, a couple in China. Yeah, we make a lot of stuff.
0: That is pretty cool. See, I didn't pick up on that from from yeah. what I from the research. I picked up. I thought you guys were doing yeah. like software and like communication, like firmwares yep. and stuff like that. But you build the physical devices too.
1: We we do. Yeah, we do the whole gamut. Um, we uh, we start off. Uh, um, we're historically from the physical layer. And the history of the company was just actually making coaxial cable, that that cable that came in for cable TV. And from there, we moved on to things like twisted pair cabling that's used on on Ethernet and fiber optic cabling, um, coaxial and fiber cabling that are used in cell networks. Uh, And then we moved on to the active uh, active electronics uh, um, and other, I'll call it RF equipment, things that go on the top of the tower, all the antennas that you have. Uh, and finally, moved into a lot of the the active electronics um, things that would be uh, like uh, your set-top boxes. Your that's that's what puts video on your television. Your Wi-Fi access points, uh, remote radio heads in some cases, uh, all sorts of things like that. I, I, I like to tell people um, we we make a significant amount of the gear. We contract manufacture some of it. We make a significant amount of the gear. But if you uh, use the internet, talked on your cell phone, or watch television today. You undoubtedly used some of Comscopes gear.
0: That's which amazing. kind of
1: cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Yes. Yeah. I have, a,
0: I have a good question for you, and you might not know the sure. answer. I don't expect you to know every piece of equipment, yeah. but about a year or two ago, I started started seeing these new devices uh, start to exist around like my neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. you know. E- even the city next to me too. So I, I realized at that point, it wasn't just a, my city thing, but they're about, yep. they're black and they're about half the height of a telephone pole. And they, it's not, it's just something new. Like I'm used to seeing the, the, you know, the, the normal towers with the big mm-hmm. uh, rectangular white things yep. and the cell phone yep. towers. But I started seeing these and they didn't improve the the cell phone signal for my carrier in my area. That's what I thought they were at first because there's like a couple dead spots I noticed them coming yep, up in. Yep, Do
1: you yep. know what these things are? Yeah. So uh I'm not I'm not positive, but you're saying they're black. About how high are they? And are they, boxes, half the height are they of
0: a, They're about half the height of a telephone pole.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh they almost have this like mesh metal on them. That was like a distinctive fe- feature but they have like some box uh, it's like a pole. There's some box, but I noticed there's some like mesh metal look pretty different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so undoubtedly, they're a communication system of some sort. What's going on a lot now is um, cellular companies are densifying behind those macro towers that you just described. So the big cell towers with the white boxes on the the the, the edges of them, um, those are antennas. And behind them are radios. And that's how you get your, your cell phone signal today. But because of uh, the capacity that's needed in the networks now, Uh, They're putting in a new layer that we call uh, a metro cell layer or a layer that's sort of in the metro area. It could be in the suburban area, too. And these are far more dense. Um, They're far lower to the ground. Um, Sometimes they're put on existing poles, but oftentimes they're being built on new poles. That's very well what it could be. That's that's my guess what it is. It also might be um, at a significantly higher frequency at millimeter wave frequencies might be part of, of Verizon's new 5G network depending on where you are. And that is, uh, that your current cell phone, if you just had a regular cell phone, wouldn't be speaking to. So you might not have a particular, uh, uh, benefit to that, but if you got the right cell phone or the right devices, you would have a benefit.
0: Do the iPhones have 5G yet?
1: Uh, they don't, it's expected to come out in, um, at, at, uh, the next release of, uh, of the iPhone. Um, it will uh, it will come in likely two flavors. One will be a sub six gigahertz uh, uh, unit. That's that's what most of the signals that we that exist today work in, and another version will have both sub six likely as well as this millimeter wave, which gives really really high data rates, but at very very short distances. That's pretty neat. That's dude, yeah, the it's going to be progressing. Uh, let me tell you. Look, when the clock turns turns O, I like to say when it goes to O O, so. 2010, 2020, that type of thing. When, when when it flips over, it's the beginning of a new decade in in wireless. And I've been fortunate enough to be around this industry since the 90s. So I've been through you know this is my fourth cycle of of Gs, and um, you get uh, you get a bunch of hype, and then you get a bunch of build out. And the build out really goes into a major swing when you hit the Os. And then by the middle of the decade, we see all of just the enormous impact this has on our lives. Um, I, I ask all of the people who listen, can you imagine existing without a smartphone today? It's almost incomprehensible. No, you, you can't. Like, what would you do? Uh, and, and, and it's to the point that first thing you look at in the morning is your smartphone. The last thing you look at at night is your smartphone. Kind of tells you how it's coming to your life. But it's only been a decade. It didn't exist a decade ago.
0: I mean, I remember standing in line to buy my Razor you know? Yep. Yep. yep.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was not Motorola a smartphone. Razor, yeah. 1997 state of the art technology. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, before yeah. that, I remember when having a light up battery was cool.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs>
0: remember this Remember in the phone stores you could buy, or in Absolutely. the malls, the kiosk, yep. you'd buy the light up yep. battery, that big hunk of a battery for that Nokia. So you could play some snake the, on per, there.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. No, it was, uh, it, what, what a change. Uh, you know, I worked for Motorola in the early days uh, of cellular in the in the early '90s, and um, as a design engineer, and I was working on the infrastructure side. But you could already see how much this was changing the world at that point. But I don't think anybody could tell how exactly this whole layer of connectivity that we have uh, is changing absolutely everything. And and looking forward, I just I see such such opportunity um, for the world as a whole. I mean look at the situation we're in today. So we're having a podcast where we're on, we're on, we happen to be on zoom, but there are lots of different ways that we're communicating. What would life be if we went back to audio only for everything?
0: Yeah, we, we switched to video cause we did it once and then we, the conversation so much better cause so much is said without, you know, th- through our behavior.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, And that video takes more more connectivity. And you go through a time like today, Uh, two decades ago, a video conference call was basically a series of, of, of stock frames. A decade ago, a video conference call required a ton of very expensive equipment. Today, a video conference call requires nothing that you already don't have. I mean, it's part of your computer. It's part of your phone. It's just what you do. And the way that that, and and you just said it, you know, we communicate, not just orally, we communicate in our inflection, we communicate in in our looks, in when we smile, when we don't smile. And so you you get a whole different level of communication. You come to a period of today, like like with COVID, where we're all stuck in the house, it would be fundamentally different if we didn't have this type of communication. And uh, I I just am fortunate that we've been in an industry that just has made the world better. And that's, that's just fundamental to, to why it still excites me even today.
0: What are you thinking about? And, and just to be direct to you, I don't know a whole lot about the comms industry. I'm not like an expert in this space, but I am curious to know, like, how do you view this, like the satellite advancements? I know Elon is putting up a bunch of satellites. I know a bunch of other yeah. companies are too, but how, how do you view that?
1: Yeah. So, um, a, a lot of people ask about communication, you know, competitive threats who wins, how do you win, what wins? And and a lot of that question has often come down between cellular and Wi-Fi. And my position has always been that we're all searching for the most efficient way to move bits. So it's sort of an equation that goes, the cost per bit per square area. And so when you take each one of these technologies, you say, how are you going to end up with the smallest cost per bit per area? So you look at a satellite, or I look at a satellite and I say, well, you know, where you don't need a great deal of capacity, satellites actually make a tremendous amount of sense. So pick, uh, pick Alaska. Population is really small, very discreet places. Satellites are going to work great. Take, take New York City. Not a chance in the world. Not enough capacity could be generated from a satellite to try to service these areas. So I think there's a play for both of these in this. I think most of the people who are putting up satellites today are, are hoping to actually bring the, the second half of the world online. And while people, you know, there's six or almost seven billion cell phones that people have and are using, still a good portion of the world is well underserved. Um, whether they don't have LTE yet, or they don't even have smartphones yet, or their smartphones are really used for texting and messaging but not really for being online, satellites could really help that in areas and kind of bring up society as a whole to to, to bridge that digital divide. I, I don't see it as a as a threat to the industry that I'm in, quite frankly. I see it as as a uh, as an opportunity to bring more people, and as you have more people that are online that need more capacity, it will make sense to put in more physical infrastructure to be able to service that greater capacity. So uh, it's I I think it's interesting. Um, It's not the first time it's been tried either, but it's the first time it's been tried with LEO satellites, which are these low orbital satellites versus geo satellites. So back in the late 90s, um, uh, Iridium, that was uh, Motorola's project to put up uh, satellites for telecommunication. I think the satellites are still operating today. They're geolocation satellites, so they're way away from Earth, stationary, so they stay over a spot. And, uh, but this is very expensive communication. The idea with LEOs is they're much closer to earth. Uh, so you can put up a lot more of them. They're a lot cheaper. So you can add and increase the capacity of this and therefore reduce the cost. So we'll see how it goes. It's interesting, we watch it.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't know. You could have said, well, we have a whole division and we supply half their satellites, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. So I'm I'm curious, like, do you know how they launched the, the rockets without, have you ever seen that website where it shows all the debris in space? Uh,
1: I, I haven't, but I'm aware of the debris in
0: space, yeah. Th- so there's a website you can go to and it'll show yeah. you all the debris in space. And it looks just like a trash junkyard completely surrounding the earth, which is, it's an unbelievable visual, but I was wondering like how they, how they launched the. rockets or they just like know the debris but you're not in the the satellite rocket space
1: i'm i'm not in that but uh i'm sure there's a lot of debris up there and i'm um my my understanding is the the bigger problem with debris is that satellites that are in uh, as as debris continues to fall because it does fall it eventually gets trapped in gravity and eventually comes down to the ground usually burns up in the atmosphere but as it's doing that it's it's at a different speed than other things so you can imagine if There's just a bunch of trash out there, but it's all stationary relative to each other. It isn't causing a problem, but as these these decay, they're all moving around at different rates, and and so they'll they'll eventually, if you have enough of it, they'll start crashing into each other. Um, it's a problem. I, I I don't know how you go and sweep it because think of it, you're now up a certain number of miles away from the Earth, and so cert- the the area that you're having to cover is now you know factors many, many multiples of the size of the earth and we can't even clean up oceans. So I don't know how we clean up space. So
0: I was curious, so for as far as growth goes, I have been talking to people in different countries, things like that. I know some countries like Africa, they're coming online essentially, right? As far as their economies, their multiplication of people, all of that good stuff. So, you know, eventually, I mean, I think it's safe to say humans, we tend to cluster into cities, right? And earlier we were talking about cities. Yeah, earlier we were talking about cities and, and satellites. Is that like a physics problem with the, like is that like a like a limitation of our, that like technology wouldn't be able to overcome the satellites and the cities?
1: Um, so really you, you you got to imagine that you're, um, uh, you can think of it like a, a, a laser pointer, okay? If you could create RF energy so that it was just like a laser, then you could target the energy anywhere you want. That's not really the way uh the lower electromagnetic spectrum where rf energy is you can think of it more as a cone that expands out over over distance so the further you are away the harder it is to contain that energy so a satellite would be more like rather than a laser would be more like a flashlight the further away you go the more the light gets dispersed and and so uh, the closer you are the more you can contain this energy the more you can contain the energy the more you can reuse the energy because there's only a certain amount of spectrum that can be used that has to be reused over and over and over again. And so that's sort of the limitation that's being, being put on this.
0: Yeah. I don't mean to grill you so hard about it. I just, I'm a a nerd. I'm curious.
1: I'm I'm happy to talk about anything. (laughs) Well,
0: because I'm trying to build a mental model, you know, to to wrap my mind around it. And, and, and what I was thinking is it's, it reminds me when you talk about as we're opening up this discussion about satellites versus you know other types of infrastructure, uh, it's kind of reminding me of like water filtration plants. There's lots of different methods and different there's different ones for different environments and they they yep. all try to calculate on a similar cost, uh, you know, of filtration filtrating the water. But so that's yep. what kind of it doesn't mean that like one's obsolete because a new one comes out. It's there's just different tools for different cases.
1: Absolutely agreed, and in fact, um, even on the land, um, you can use that same analogy. So, so typically, as you go up in frequency, your RF energy uh, decays faster, which means that you cover a smaller area. So, the lowest frequencies in the cellular industry today are around 600 megahertz, and uh, they go up uh, in 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 frequency to the newest band, which is around three and a half gigahertz. So. 600 megahertz, that's 3,500 megahertz, and then it jumps for a while and it goes up to millimeter wave, which is 26, 28, 39 gigahertz, so uh, quite a bit higher, about 10 times higher than the the low band, and so the 600 megahertz signals get put on cell towers, and they cover huge swaths of area, you know, kilometers, tens of kilometers of of, of coverage. You can go away from the cell site and still get a cell signal, whereas uh, millimeter wave, it might be a hundred or a couple hundred meters best case so tens of kilometers versus hundreds of meters it doesn't mean one is bad and one is good it means that one serves one purpose and another serves another purpose so if you just want to have cell phone coverage basic coverage and you don't have or or you have a very low population density then being able to cover larger areas is of the huge advantage right uh you go out to uh Iowa and you're going into farming country, there are only a certain number of farmers out there. There's nobody that's out there, but you still need to cover the area because the farmer or the people are still going to be there some of the time. There's just not much much that's going to use that capacity. Versus New York, where you might have you know, tens of thousands of people per square kilometer, where you'd have to have much, much smaller cell sites So these higher frequencies are very valuable there. The lower frequencies are valuable in the more rural areas. You put the system together so that you create something that the user doesn't know or care and gives them the appropriate amount of capacity and coverage for the cheapest price for their entire area, wherever they're going to be, which is why that equation about um, the cost per bit per area is what everybody is going after. How can we reduce that? How can we, we make that as inexpensive as possible? and 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 to that actually it's interesting because that's where um that's where it starts enabling other things so uh do you remember back when cell phones first came out how you paid for them oh yeah by the minute you were charged by the minute exactly and then uh, one of the cell phone carriers had this brilliant idea for $150 a month you could talk as much as you wanted <laughs> exactly it's amazing Woohoo! but what what had happened was that they had continued to drive down the cost per area or per bit per area to the point where that was possible. And of course, today we look back on that and go, well, it's crazy that we had to pay per minute. It's even crazier that you'd pay such a large amount of money per minute. We would have used our devices very differently so that, uh, you know, today we're starting to be in the world of unlimited anythings because the cost has been driven down enough. And in the future, to enable the so-called Internet of Things, the cost per bit per area has to be driven down even lower because you have a lot of value, right? You, you would pay $50 a month for a cell phone. Fine, for you. How much would you have for your security system in your house? Like, Connectivity is worth about $10 per month. How about your car? It's worth about $3 per month. So you, your biggest asset and your second biggest asset is it an order of magnitude down? Now, how much do you pay for your toaster to be online? Nothing. A penny a month? Nothing? I don't know. Do you have to get it through advertising? Do it, does it have well, to it's be pseudo-free? Like,
0: it's going gonna, it's gonna to Bluetooth to my local home.
1: So effectively, you're saying that it has to be included in the cost of the thing that I'm using for myself, or it has to be a feature I'm willing to pay $10 for uh, the equipment more because it then has a Bluetooth module in it. But I'm not willing to pay anything on a monthly basis, basically very, very little. But what if I told you you could bring your entire house online, every single device, and you'd pay 10 cents more a month? Every device?
0: I mean, I would say, I would say I already have it online now, and I, I mean, OK,
1: how about your pillowcase?:
0: <laughs> I don't want my pillowcase online.
1: <laughs> you think you don't want your pillowcase online. What if but your pillowcase could reconform itself so as you're sleeping, you sleep better?
0: Oh, come on now. Or if it would just be cool. Those, those pillows always <laughs> hey. lie. They're like,
1: cool the whole night, $100 for the pillow. I buy it. I'm like, lies. <laughs> exactly. But my point is that these other things have less, less value today and probably won't have a tremendous amount of value until so many things are hooked up together that things happen for you, that we have to drive down this cost per bit. I'll give you the perfect example. Do you know what a, a uh, an Amazon Alexa, Google uh, Google uh, device, or 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 an Apple device, what, what these things really are to today's generation?
0: Oh, I have kids. I have kids. They they think they're like people. They think they're like okay. things. Yeah.
1: What do what do they use them for? What what do you what do you get from them?
0: Uh, well, my daughter says uh, Alexa, play Baby Doo Doo, which means play Baby okay. Shark. Uh, but I use <laughs> I use them for music. Okay. We, my family ninety nine percent music.
1: Absolutely. Do you know what that was called in 1980? A clock radio. Today it is just a version of a clock radio. But when this becomes really valuable is when all these devices are hooked up to a whole bunch of other devices and they understand your needs before you tell them you need it. And we're just seeing the beginning of this. And this is where you add real value in the internet. Alexa of
0: does that. She asked me if I want to reorder stuff like my protein bars.
1: Yeah, okay. So so they're asking you to buy things at the moment. But imagine this. You wake up in the morning and based on where you are and your sleep cycle, something knows that you like your floors to be warmer. So your floors heat up but only when you're going to walk on them. <laughs> your lighting changes to the amount of light that you like versus your wife when you go into the bathroom. Your shower turns on just before you hit the shower so that it's warm by the time you get to the door. Your radio turns on so you can listen to it in the shower and tunes to the station that you like because you like morning news when you get in in the morning and if you ever took a shower at night, you like music. Turns to the right station. All these things happen because it's learned about you and it's doing things. You never asked it to do a thing. That's what a lot of the future I think needs to look like. Today, we're, we're just replacing the things and it's very normal. Whenever this type of technology starts off, we replace our phone, With a phone that doesn't have wires. That was called a cordless telephone. We replaced a cordless telephone with mobility. We replaced a computer, a fixed computer, with a mobile computer. It's after you get past this direct replacement, we start using it for many, many other different reasons. And we sometimes then go back and go, how did we live with it being like that? How could we have possibly lived with a record player? You couldn't get music that you wanted immediately. Today, Alexa will give you absolutely anything you want just by asking. So big, big changes are coming.
0: I actually asked her, my wife and I, when we were making hamburgers last night, we said, uh, Alexa, can you watch the kids? <laughs> 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 and uh, she didn't have like a quippy response. She tried to do like a Google search for it. I was like, oh, somebody needs to go program a, a funny response into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so- yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting. And, and just to tie that in. So we, we in homes, um, make, uh, make not just the, the modems that attach your home to the internet, either mm-hmm. via wireless or via cable or or by via by fiber. That's where DSL I know logo. your
0: logo from. You're on, the, yes. you're on the barcode, like on the back of the routers, on it, the devices. It, it,
1: that, that's exactly correct. That, so we, I knew I make, saw it
0: somewhere. Yeah.
1: There you go. So we make a lot of those and we also make the Wi-Fi access points, a lot of those Wi-Fi access points that are in your house. And... And so we're trying to find different ways of making the set-top boxes and the routers and the access points all work together so that you, you never think about it. Because today, the number one complaint in a home is, I don't get my Wi-Fi. I don't get fast Wi-Fi in my bedroom. I don't get fast Wi-Fi in the corner of my office. I don't have good cell phone coverage in pick a room. And, and those are all problems that, that we need to absolutely eliminate so that people, they don't think of how they get cell phone coverage. They don't think about how they get internet access. It just works. And uh, there are lots of great things that are going on. You may have heard just recently, but uh, uh, the government just allocated a ton of additional spectrum for Wi-Fi in the six gigahertz band. That's going to really help coverage in a house for Wi-Fi. We expect over the next couple of years that the uh, government will also give a whole bunch of new spectrum to the cellular carriers. That's going to improve Cell phone coverage everywhere. That will be in the upper three three gigahertz band.
0: Um, what's, what's the? We're al- seeing lots of changes. What's the? And I'm sorry. I, I I'm really yeah, curious please. to know this. Uh, I am f- slightly familiar with the the spectrums, but uh, how much of the total spectrum is currently allocated?
1: Um, well, the electromagnetic spectrum starts at DC, which is zero, and goes up to well, sort of infinity, right? Just it's a continuum. You just keep on going up. Um, there are the the lower pieces of spectrum, which are the ones that are easiest to use, uh, in terms of they go the furthest. Um, a good deal of that is is allocated out. So we used to have public safety in the 400 megahertz spectrum. Give you an idea, 80. Uh, you have AM radio, that's the lowest part, or that's a low portion of the spectrum. We move up to FM radio. You know, so when you get to 90 uh, megahertz, that's that's FM radio. Uh, 450 megahertz used to be public safety, that's now been moved up to 800 megahertz. We have cellular starting at 600. There's, I don't know, a total of about uh, 700, about 900 megahertz of total spectrum being used for cellular between 600, 700, 800, 900, 19, 21, 25, megahertz today. Uh, you have Wi-Fi that's in the 2.4, that's 2400. Uh, also the 5800 and now six gigahertz or 6000 range there's still a lot of spectrum there's spectrum used for satellite uh coverage for point-to-point radio coverage but as you go up into the the band as you get above 10 or 20 megahertz you get lots of spectrum which is really unused that's the, the millimeter wave spectrum they spoke uh, spoke of 24 28 39 that type of spectrum but uh The problem with the spectrum is it doesn't go very far. And so that, remember that cost per bit per area, the per area becomes an economic problem. So it can only be used for certain things. It would make little to no sense to put millimeter wave in the countryside because it just simply can't go far enough. As a point to multipoint system, it can still be used as it has been. Microwave radios have been used to connect two points together you have a very directional antenna, you can think of it like a laser pointer. You make that RF energy, you contain the RF energy, and you shoot it in one direction to a receiver that's looking for that exact same frequencies. And those two things can communicate over long distances. But for most of us, we want this one point to communicate to lots of people over lots of area. And that's uh, harder to do as you go up and spectrum, Where the spectrum is is really available, There's uh, there are those problems to overcome.
0: Uh, when you're talking about the high-powered laser beams, that reminded me yeah. of... Yeah, you know, what ten years ago when they were talking about doing the the New York California high frequency trading related beam. Yep. You remember that conversation? Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, do Do you know? Uh, so a little aside on that. So they they do that in New York Chicago. Um, they uh, they have microwave systems, um, which are point to point microwave systems that hop between New York and and and, uh, um, and Chicago. Do you know why they don't use fiber in that case? Because you can also send those same signals over fiber. I know. Because fiber is it's glass that you're going through, and glass slows down the signal. And so in that type of a distance with these high-speed trades, you have an advantage if you go over the air rather than through glass. I love it. That's why they build those systems.
0: Fun fact, I've actually had a microwave internet before. Have you really? Yeah, I lived out in a... uh, like. Out in country area, yep, yep, and there yep. was this post, and at the top it had a receiver, and I had to put a microwave thing on my roof and point it like exactly at the receiver. Uh, I'll, to get I'll the bet internet. you
1: you were you were using a ComScope antenna. We make those antennas as well.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: There you go. Okay. Did it, it have a little it, flash it. on the side of it, a little slash.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There That's you go. It.
1: Yeah, yeah they, okay. it was either
0: that or like I could pay the county $5,000 to like dig something up. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to use one of nope. these.
1: There you yeah. go. Yep. Yep. See, and See, everybody's just trying to reduce that cost per bit.
0: When you're talking about cost per bit, right, yeah. obviously it's going to vary based on location and density and all of that. But when the numbers get really small what words do you use because if you're talking like fractions of a penny does it ever get that small like how do you refer to are there special words there
1: um no there's no special word that says how much you should you know what, what what's the minimal uh, 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 a femto penny you know <laughs> yeah yeah there's no femto pennies <laughs> or bit nibbles or anything like that <laughs> haven't come up with it maybe the two of us can figure out that <laughs> um no, I, I don't think we're really having, having a description of, of of that yet, but it really is a driver, and I'll give you I'll give you an example of something that you could imagine on a, on just an enormous scale. So um, the developments that have gone on with respect to um, agriculture are amazing. Where seeds are, how many seeds are being planted, the way these are going on. How you do remote sensing from, let's say, satellites to determine weather patterns and whether things need to be watered or how crops will yield. But the cost of these things needs to be really low as well. Someday, it will probably be worthwhile. So today, you, 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 don't, you have a sensor that says, I know I've stuck a seed here, but you don't have a sensor on the seed itself. Someday, we may have a sensor on the seed itself because that will help us improve the yield even more. But to do that, you can imagine what's a seed worth. It's sold in the,
0: words. Yeah. the
1: trillions. I mean, it's, this, it's yeah. just this massive number. And so you need things that are even smaller. What we work on a lot of the time is, is not just to enable that, but to, to, to drive other things to happen. And I'll give you my favorite example of, of, of trying to think differently. Um, and I'll use television. So we've seen television progress from analog television to SD to HD, to 4K, okay. So we've seen this go on. Now, what happens after 4K? What what, what do you do after 4K? Well, most people would would act very linearly and would say, well, 8K, right? Because that's twice four. So, you know, we keep on doubling this. And and I encourage everybody to think think differently, to uh, say perhaps, we have to think differently about the way television is consumed tomorrow versus today. So some people think differently and they start thinking, well, you can get higher resolution of, uh, of, um, uh, the screen. That's the Well, I I was
0: going to say we were going to go into the TV, but I didn't want to be like too far out there. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, no, no. So that's a good one. So, so, so 3d, right? So, Hey, how can I feel like I'm more on the set? Um, I actually encourage people to think that we're going to think about television very differently. And uh, you can look at it already in the gaming industry, but it's to become part of what you're watching, not to be an observer of what you're watching, or at least be able to change the views. So if you have a show that's uh, having doctors, you could put yourself in the position where you are the doctor and you're observing from the doctor's point of view or from the patient's point of view or from an observer point of view so your your experience is going to be completely different it's not going to be about the resolution of the screen it's going to be about where how and where that content is and if you if you look at any of these these uh, services like twitch right where you you can be you can see things from the point of view of a player or of a different player or observing the whole thing and 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 that's the way i think a lot of things are going to change we need to stop thinking linearly about things just progressing and think okay well you have all this technology What's that going to do? And from Comscope's perspective, you know, we see these things coming and we see the type of bandwidths that are going to re- be required when people do this. Not just in the downlink, but also in the uplink because now you're going to want to participate. Maybe the television series is actually rendering in real time. Kind of like a game. Maybe you're creating the television series as you act like the doctor. And to do that, you need that communication up and down.
0: Yeah, Or it's watching your responses and adjusting the future of the storyline based on how you're like responding.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm shaking so my head like, Oh, things- I
0: can't believe that happened. Like it would actually,
1: yeah. The storyline changes. Exactly. You, you, you disapprove of where it is and you go someplace else. Yeah. And I know these are all the sorts of things that I think are, are likely to happen in the future. And uh, it's very exciting.
0: So I hadn't played video games in about five years. And then when this whole thing happened, I booted uh-huh. up, the Xbox and it didn't work. So I went and got a new Xbox. <laughs> Luckily, they're very inexpensive now. And yep, yep. Uh, it was like an online only Xbox. Like it didn't yes. have a disk drive. And so I was like, okay. So usually I like to play the Call of Duty game. So I was like, what's the latest Call of Duty made a couple of years ago or whatever. So I uh, got that game. And mm-hmm. I was legitimately blown away by the characters and I, I'm like, we must be two years away from needing actors and to film movies. Like, we don't, yep. we won't, we just don't need that anymore. Like, look at it. Like, I, there are scenes where I can't tell if I'm ten feet away from the TV. I cannot tell that, yep. that that's a rendered character And this game I was playing. I think it was like made two years ago, which means it started yep. getting made five years ago, right? Yeah, <laughs> or three years ago. No, it, yeah.
1: it, It's it's absolutely incredible what what can be rendered today. It's interesting, actually. One of the hardest things for these games to do is is hair believe it or not explosions are trivial people's motions have gotten really great still if you watch the hair you got a little bit of an issue but you're exactly right i mean that that type of i'll call it rendering you can you can still have actors doing things but you can render almost anything around them if you wish or you could create them entirely in real time as we're just discussing create your own story as you're going along because you can render anything you want any scene you want anywhere you want and uh it's, it's only going to get better. I, I mean, I know I used to say uh, in the early days when I was at Motorola, you know, the, the, the Razor, which we discussed earlier, or the StarTech, which was the predecessor to that, was, uh, was really a, a 1969 communicator from Star Trek. Yeah. Flip phone. Just look at it. looks exactly the same. Had that battery you on the back. just talked to it. Yeah. You got it. Yep. Looked exactly like that. Um, the holodeck from the next generation Star Trek is within our lifetime. I hope so. Yeah, so do it. I. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it, and and that's incredible because to be able to render almost anything sort of in a way that you can experience things without actually traveling there and experiencing them and experiencing them with others, which is really one of the keys to a lot of this is how do I experience with others? We, we're very social creatures. It's going to, again, change the world, you know? And, and, and it's all enabled by this whole communication, which, you know, your Xbox being, it's only online. Well, of course it's only online. Um, not because, of course it is, but because you can't get a lot of things, you can't have it do a lot of these things if you're only by yourself. And so much of this requires interaction with others, that the value of being online for everything we do is just incredible.
0: I love it. And honestly, you know, I, I tend to be optimistic about the future. Uh, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. Like to get weird, I hope I watched uh, Aubrey de Grey. Have you ever heard of that guy? Um, yeah. He is like a, a brilliant mind in like the regenerative uh, biological space, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But man, the advancements that he has seen, or that that is, uh, there was a good Joe Rogan podcast where he came on and mm-hmm. talked about it. But the advancements of age therapy and he was talking mm-hmm. about how you know we we just imagine the default data is that we die like he's like that's maybe a false assumption and yep. he was because we can regenerate different things and so he was he was just going through basically he laid out a, an entire map of all the investment and all the small problems as they'll incrementally get solved and the interesting thing is the money is flowing there like people yeah. are spending money on that. And right, you know, it makes sense too. Yeah. You get rich, you build up your whole life and people, when you, I think life is good when you learn how to live it. Like and yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not an easy task. I'd say you come out and the odds are against you. But if you can, <laughs> right? But if whether yeah, you're no, wealthy absolutely. or not, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter if your financial state when you come out, because it really is like a one-on-one mental game uh, in life. But once you figure that out, you can really like, I wish I had enough time to, to live 20 different lives. There would be different things. I would, cause I keep learning. Like I do new things and I overcome challenges and it's just like, I'm always learning and it's, it's very motivating. It's like, I would love to, to, to redo this again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, with, especially with the knowledge that you have now. Yeah. I mean, uh, Uh, one of the advancements that just recently came out in in, in technology that I believe is is fundamentally like the internet, like GPS is going to change the world is actually CRISPR. That's the gene editing tools. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fundamental. And it's because um, uh, we have, um, we're just about out of antibiotics, this whole age for the last 50 years of surgeries. uh, We're getting close to having real problems with doing any of this. Uh, we've created such such a problem, but if you can have your own body solve your own problems, you start a whole new element of how do you have humans humans uh, um, uh, live or 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 develop or or survive, and uh, so I, I give a lot of hope to that um, as another area that's just an exciting technological area that I I look at and I say. You know, I've been fortunate to be in telecommunications, which I think has had an enormous uh, positive benefit on society. And I look at some of these other fields, which I think are coming of age in terms of having, again, an enormous positive benefit on society. And and one like that is going to be very exciting for sure.
0: I actually talk about this quite a bit with my family. So my brother is a Mm -hmm. physician and so is my stepmom. And mm-hmm. she's actually in like the, uh, she did ER for 20 years and then opened up for the past, you know, 10 years, she's been growing a private practice mm-hmm. uh, with a mm-hmm. health wellness. And yep. it is amazing, the personalized medicine that, when I, when I see them talk about the personalized medicine and and, and watch what's going on over there, that is yep. the internet yep. for today. That is today's internet. Everyone would be saying, no, 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 no. Yep. That's a long way away, but that is like, you know, starting Amazon, right like right right, right right
1: right yeah exactly. and and it's always interesting you see that I can remember back to uh, to to when I was in college and and email was just starting, and this wasn't email this was email for college students. that was it. That was the only thing you had had online now, I'm old enough to actually remember first getting online with the three hundred baud modem, so i'm I'm telling a little bit about my age, but um uh, I don't think anybody, inclusive of myself, saw the potential in those days of connecting things. And it typically is a a long time afterwards in any particular field that you see the absolute value of it. We get get wowed by the sizzle, but oftentimes we don't understand the stake. We didn't understand the beginning of the Internet. We didn't understand how GPS would fundamentally change the world. Do you know how many trillions of dollars of value is in a GPS? You, You couldn't have it without that. Uh, you talk about something simple like um, like even a USB. When USB first came out, it was a consumer electronics show in a little corner that nobody noticed. It's in every device on the planet today. Um, something like CRISPR coming out. You don't see it until all of a sudden, hey, your medicine is about you. Exactly what you said, personalized medicine. Everything is being done for you specifically because we mapped your genome, which was easy to do nowadays. And, uh, and we know where you have deficiencies and where you don't, and your therapies help match those deficiencies. So, uh, yeah, it's another, uh, interesting technological fact. Do you know how long it t- took to map the first half of the human genome?
0: Ooh, like 10 years,
1: seven years. Okay. Seven years? How long did it, yeah. How long did it take to map the second half of the human genome?
0: you know? I don't, I don't know.
1: Less than a year, about seven months. Because when we think about it linearly, most people would say, well, seven years do half, seven years do the second half, but we are advancing at such a rate. Oh, no, that's actually, we, just, we I, think that's the wrong my, way.
0: That's my favorite type of conversations. Humans are yep. designed to think linearly and progress yep. happens exponentially and it's yep. counterintuitive. And it just, as I'll, I'll understand it today and I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll just have to keep reminding myself you have to keep, a- keep doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly right. It's so it's so interesting to to watch, and I do that that same thing myself frequently. I say, okay, this happened, so that wouldn't happen. I'll give you my favorite example, since I'm in this industry. Cell phone cameras come out. The time is night is two thousand or two thousand one. Cell phone cameras come out. They're terrible. I mean, you can see basically a blob on them. they they have no resolution. They're worthless. And I make a statement. I don't think cell phone cameras will really have a lot of value because they don't have good lenses, and the form factor doesn't allow you to put a lens on a cam on a on a phone. I was thinking very linearly because the way lenses have always been made was for a form factor that allowed a a a tunnel to 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 be occur, to occur. That problem has been solved six, six different ways. Cell phone cameras now take better. Pictures than everything other than the most professional, really great lensed cameras, and and they get better every single year. And the idea of a point and click camera is ridiculous. I was thinking linearly because I had thought of cameras as something where you needed great optics. The problem was it had nothing to do with the optics; it had all to do with the the digital signal processing, and the way that you would actually add light into a the, the digital process. And so. Yeah, we get we get even those people like like ourselves who tend to remind ourselves that we have a problem still get trapped in it all the time.
0: I put recurring events in my calendar and I say like <laughs> they say a uh, uh, revisit uh, first principles. I was like that's one of my favorite <laughs> recurring ones. I'll just get it. You know, oh I got to revisit first principles thinking because there's things that I find and there's so much value, but I'm also acutely aware of, uh, you know, we forget at the rate of one bit per neuron per second, it's called the forgetting curve. And <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, okay, I'm a machine that forgets. I will put this in, I'll put a system in place that'll remind me that I've forgotten and to go fi- refine, rediscover these, uh, new things.
1: That, that, that's great. Yeah. The human memory is, uh, is, is terrible. I mean, not only is it, is it lossy as you point out, but it also recreates. It your does. your your memory your your memory is absolutely terrible. Uh, you you have you a few things that remain static over time, and they've done lots of studies on on how that that is a real that's a real challenge. Which you know nowadays with the way that we record and keep things, we find out how poor our memory is because almost everything because we're all connected. All this telecommunication gear allows us to have access to virtually everything that humanity has done instantly allows us to realize exactly how bad we are at it, which is terrible.
0: <laughs> I think it's why we're all spending so much money to build technology to compensate for it.
1: Yep, you, you could be absolutely right. I, I actually thought it was just, a, I, I figured all this technology was made so that my wife could tell me that that I was wrong and, and have proof of it. That was That's oh, been my that's... thesis for a while. <laughs>
0: It's, you know, I ask myself, you know, I get into big moments of big thought. I I like to ask myself, like, what are the humans building? Like, if you were to step back and be an alien civilization and look at it as, you know, from the outside, from another planet and watch them build. I mean, it's clearly we're building something at a massive rate and we're all working really hard towards one thing. And I'm always interested, like, what's that thing going to be or what's that going to look like?
1: Mm-hmm. no I, I, absolutely and what the scary thing is is you're saying we're working a massive rate today you would have said the same thing 10 years ago but the rate that we're working at today is an order of magnitude more than it was a decade ago and and so whenever i look backwards it's just shocking how how could we have not gotten to that point faster and whenever you look forwards it's like i i'm, I'm i almost can't conceive of what will happen and i i look at things like. Um, I remember when I was growing up about air pollution, how terrible it was in, in good portions of the United States. And then we put in a catalytic converter, and all of a sudden and it changed, changed from leaded to unleaded gasoline, and all of a sudden that changed. We moved off of a lot of coal plants and became we, we, made, we made huge strides in, say, 30, 40 years. And then you look where we will be 30 or 40 years from now, and we will look back on today and go, my God, how dirty we were, or how bad we were, or how poorly we communicated, or how, you know, use whatever adjective you want, but it will be, what a lot of neophytes then. They knew nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, whenever I like to ground myself, I think of, you know, we've only had electricity for like 130 years. Like that is, uh, that is pretty yeah. crazy.
1: It, it is. And, and when you lose power, what do you do?
0: You freak out. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so you, have, you have kids. I'll give you a little story about the cell phone industry. So a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I control my kids in the Internet? How do I punish them, et cetera, or whatever? And I figured out the perfect cure. Actually, trying to prevent your kids from getting online or doing things is almost impossible. They're a lot smarter than you'll ever be. And their kids will be smarter than them. They, they will figure out passwords or way around things. But the one thing that seemed to work the best is, is removing their power supply. You would be surprised what sort of angst you cause when you do not have an ability to charge your cell phone or tablet or whatever, because all of a sudden you get metered and we did a lot of surveys on this. So it's, it's, it's great. You want to punish your kids. You take, you don't take away their phone, you take away the charger. That's And they have to decide whether they should use it or whether they shouldn't use it. But what's very interesting with this is that, uh, when we've asked people, what would they give up? Would you give up your best friend? would you give up, uh, or, or, or your cell phone, a preponderance, more than a majority, would give up their best friend forever than their cell phone forever. And if you, rank, if you rank priority, it's only electricity that's above communication systems. And I believe that the only reason why it's above that is because without electricity, people recognize they wouldn't have the device itself. The device wouldn't operate. But it's above water, it's above Toiletry, it's above food in their well, home here, because they say I can go out to eat. Yeah.
0: Well, because because with communication, I have a higher likelihood of, of reacquiring those necessities. Like I have a I have a better chance of uh, I would choose communication with a group of people over the water because with that group of people, I have a higher probability of getting the water.
1: To- totally, totally, and completely agreed. But it's just it's amazing because that's only been the last twenty years maybe not even the last 20 years maybe last you got to speak well, at the investor years. meetings buddy you you make me really excited to spend money in the industry i'm like Man, it, it, no it really is yeah and and we're at the beginning we are just at the at the beginning of all of these things going together where where we will be 10 20 30 years from now we're going to look back and we're going to look back on this as we do on an old flat fashion record player a few people will long for those days but everybody will go, how did we even exist? How did we move around? How did we, how did we, how did we work? How did we do anything? If we didn't have this, this constant communication, this constant intelligence is going to be working on the background to make our life easier. It's just, it's mind boggling. It's
0: interesting too, because if we take like a step back and look at humans and different age groups, I would, I'm just going to make a couple statements here. Yeah. We can, we can rip it apart. If it's not true, but I would say if you looked at the 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 50 to 60 year old age range of 20 years ago, those individuals thought very differently as far as like change than the 50 to 60 year olds today. It seems like we're all more comfortable. And as we get more comfortable, we'll allow the rate of, I think as much as it's changing faster, we were, we're also actively hindering the change,
1: but uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, we, no, I, I think I, we're going to unleash it more.
1: Yeah, so, so you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and actually, the default state of everybody is they want change to happen around them, but they themselves don't want to change. Okay, that's true of, of everybody. We're some lesser, some more. But, but, but everybody says, you know, the books, uh, uh, Don't Move My Cheese, or you know, th- those types of books are all about how we like it where we are, because we're comfortable with where we are. So we have this inertia that says, hey, we want to change. But what we find over time is the things that we thought needed to change uh, become easier. And the more change you do, the easier it becomes to change. Sort of like things in motion tend to stay in motion. It's the same thing with change. Once you start changing, it becomes easier to make more changes and make more changes. And so as these changes become faster and faster, we get more equipped as people to accept them and move on to them and adapt to them. Um, and, and, and you're right. Uh, if you look at somebody who grew up on a typewriter, moving to a word processor was a big change. But somebody who moved up, who, who uh, started on a computer, moving to a tablet was sort of trivial.
0: And we're getting more comfortable with change. Like As, as, a, as, a, as a species of humans, like we are getting more comfortable with change as time goes on
1: i I completely agree. and and again, I think it's because this the rate of change is happening that if you if you actually tried to be a Luddite and just just stay as you are, uh, you would be blown past in such a short period of time versus perhaps a century ago, you could just isolate yourself and survive perfectly fine. So yeah you know, we are adaptive, if nothing else.
0: <laughs> and I love it. i, I And I like that. I don't know i really do like the way that the world is going i i recently found this guy named joel soliton have you ever heard of him Mm -hmm. he's in the agriculture space he does this concept of regenerative farming um basically uh you know being able to set up a farm so that you don't need antibiotics that you don't need these things by just doing farming the way recreating natural animal cycles but on your Mm -hmm. property Mm -hmm. and i thought i thought it was fascinating i started learning about food because the antibiotics conversation comes up a lot especially you know my brother i told you he was a physician yep and i had seen this small documentary about antibiotics and i kicked it over to him i said hey dude is this like actually something to pay attention to he goes mm-hmm. i wish people had the mental bandwidth to to care about this because this is going it's going to smack us and it's going to be a horrible thing but you yep. can't get anyone to pay attention to it and uh so i'm always trying to predict uh you know this the way to look like a genius is to to figure out which way it's going and then say it's going to go that way, right? (laughs) So I'm always trying to to play around with that. And one of the big white spaces I see right now is like in our DNA and in our biology, there's just, when we try to model them, and I was talking about this with um, some IBM researchers and some other people too that uh, are into quantum computing. But when you try to model uh, like a peptide or you try to model some uh, microscopic organism, you're only creating this like very rough digital version of it with a few points of it. The, the actual amount of points it would take to model that would be so great, it's like near impossible yep. to do with a modern mm-hmm. computing system. You'd have to you'd have to have like a quantum computing system. Yep. So I think the quantum computing is going to be really good for like a niche area or, or like mm-hmm. a specific tool, like we were talking about like the satellites mm-hmm. and, and the mm-hmm. other infrastructure. But I think that tool that the quantum computing will be useful for, is related to organic, uh, things like personalized medicine, uh, genetics, CRISPR advancements. I think that that's going to be useful there because uh, as like, you know, Friday night, what Mm -hmm. what I'm doing as a nerd is I'm reading the latest white paper on quantum computing to figure out how Mm -hmm. I can make $100 million,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Where's that white space? (laughs) Because it'll
0: jump out to me at one point, but it's going to take a lifetime for me to figure it out. But uh, they quantum computing happens to be exceptional at, uh, and you should you you probably experience this because what one of the examples was like if uh, I were to take a a map and try to predict the the appropriate route, the way that those algorithms work, quantum computing happens to be really good at looking at every possible scenario and picking the right one. Yeah, um, and that's going to be really important when we're doing stuff with personalized medicine. Uh, because our genetics are so different but you need to have precise data
1: yeah it's 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 very interesting as we uh as we gain and it's not just from quantum computing i mean we went to you know we we went to supercomputers uh that got blown away now your personal computer is an actual supercomputer as originally defined um uh and we went to 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 like cray machines which had had loops that you could unloop things. I, I actually used that in grad school, so you could you could run uh, dual recursive loops in parallel. So parallel computing. Um, I think quantum computer, computers, as you say, are yet another tool uh, in the tool tool chest. Um, but just the ability to do more compute over time continues to unlock huge amounts of value, because for computers, it's the the cost per again per per bit processed, if you like, or per flop, or however you want to do it, that gets driven down so that you can do more and more calculations. And you were actually asking at one point, you know, uh, how do you get to this, this sort of femtocent, as you were putting, the, to, to enable things? It's actually what drives all this. You end up at femtocent, but it's always because you're driving to be able to do a calculation or provide an amount of bandwidth in the case of telecommunications for... Uh, a, a much larger amount of bandwidth for a much cheaper price to enable something to go on a quantum computer is a good example of that
0: no that's actually really brilliant way of stating that like it's yeah. like let's take those workloads that cost us lots of money to run on modern computing systems and then run them on a quantum computer for a uh, 1/1 one, one
1: millionth of the price that that that's exactly right and that's you know, I, I always bring it back to, to what I look at, but it's always, it's always going and seeing how can we optimize, how can we end up at a solution that makes things um, less expensive for what we're doing so we can do more of it and that more of it can open up and enable an, another portion of the industry to, to work and grow and thrive. If you remember going back to the cellular industry again, it was originally done for whom? It was done for business people to capture an hour of their time on commute. And then it became cheap enough so that the average person got it for pleasure. And then it became cheap enough so you could give it to every single person in your company and, again, capture their time when they weren't working. So it became sort of self-fulfilling to, 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 to everything. And that's, that's kind of where we go with all sorts of technologies is, is, is it just opens up. Everybody today can be a photographer because everybody has a camera, because everybody has a phone, because everybody got a phone, because everybody needed to be connected. Everybody needed to be connected because it was cheap enough to connect people. It's, it's it's incredible
0: but it also at the same time it doesn't kill uh photography is what it does is it lets the best photographers and it, it drives the market even harder now it's even harder to be a photographer you have your shots have to be so good it has to they have to have they have to be multiple dimensions of emotion and light like it just drives the craft like to its best which then inspires the doers that are in other parts like if if i see this photography and maybe i'm making these video games now i'm seeing the best photography and those people wouldn't have been driven that far without it without the market being that way it, it is kind of really beautiful how this however this machine was designed it's pretty it's pretty fun
1: <laughs> it, it, no you're 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 absolutely right it, it it is incredible and you know some people look at these things and they say it's going to put people out of work or it's going to remove people from from an ecosystem I always look at it the opposite way. Um, when computers came out, they said, well, what will you do with secretaries? Well, the data, data input industry was an order of magnitude larger than, than the secretarial industry. So we actually didn't remove the need for these people. We changed the need for these people. Photography is another example. You open it up to the masses. You became better at photography. There are more photographers today than there were. You talk about the internet, you talk about journalism on the internet, you have a lot more journalism. It's just very different than it was when you only had print media or when you only had, had video media. Um, I have huge hope for the future because we continue to uh, call reinvent it. And every time we come to one of these points where we say, ooh, things could go bad or things could go good, we've continued with some disruption to, uh, to, to, to get on that path that ultimately ends up being good.
0: Yes, life is definitely an active player game. like <laughs> well put. <laughs> and you know, like as you were talking about photography, you know, now it's interesting the the need increased too, because now a local ice cream shop is going will will pay their intern to take pictures of the ice cream every day and post on social media. like it's yep. not that no one would have been paying photographers to do that. Right. That, uh,
1: that was not a job that did not add any value a decade ago. Now it does to a lot of different people and maybe different people than were a decade ago, but absolutely.
0: Yeah. Dude, this is great. How, was- how did, how did you end up joining that company? Was it a recruiter, a friend? Like how did you get, meet the people there and how did you join?
1: Yeah. So um, I came in through it through an acquisition. So I started off my career at Motorola um, and uh, um Stayed with them for, for a while, both as a design engineer and then uh, moved into product line management. And um, then switched over to a much smaller company. Uh, that was an experience that I wanted. And ever since then, it's been, I've had been at a company that's been acquired by a company that's been acquired by another company. So I ended up at ComScope uh, about uh, a little over 10 years ago um, through, through an acquisition they acquired uh, Andrew Corporation which in turn had acquired Allen Telecom, which had acquired Mecom, which is where I came from. <laughs> so uh, yeah, through acquisition, but I've been in telecommunication because, like I said this at the beginning, there are few industries I can think of that have both done well financially and also helped humanity as much as, as communication. And I've been, I've been fortunate to see it through, you know, the last 30 years of change. And, um, and it's a neat place and an exciting place to be because what I see as the future is even, even more radically shifting than what, what the past has been.
0: Communication gives me, it makes me happy. It makes me feel like people are smarter than they are. Well, like our default state, the default processes running in the back of our mind are really smart because uh, I started studying story, um, the, like the concept of story through this guy, Robert McKee. He's mm-hmm. just a, a writer of of scrip- scripts, screenplays, movies. You've watched some of his stuff for sh- sure, um, but I got into him through this this videographer I knew, and and when I looked at like I took like a basic script writing class,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's amazing how little you need to say and how much can be filled in. Like if you read the script of a movie and you start hyper paying attention. First of all, it'll ruin movies a little bit for you if you really get into it, but because only, there's only so many stories. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just how you get from A to B, that's interesting. Yeah. But it, it's so amazing how much your mind can fill in the blanks and you don't need to explain every little detail. And that makes yeah. that gives me a lot of hope that like the average individual can process this amount of information, because
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's more and more information out there every single day that people have to process. Um, if you were to take someone from a hundred years ago and bring them forward in any period of time ever in the human history, they, they would think it was all magic because so much has changed over that period of time. But I also believe that given a period of adjustment, they would also adapt to it. Um, and, and I see this with, uh, With a grandparent or when you deal with with people in their in their 80s and 90s they don't they're in wonder of some things and they certainly take as you get older you take longer to adapt to it but they're adapting as well as 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 people that are that are younger which means it's really just a matter of training or being exposed to to change and look you left uh you you said earlier you left gaming for about five years Yeah. Enormous change in gaming. How long did it take for you to start, you know, replaying and be able to be an active participant and be able to be decent enough that you'd you, you know, you could you could be, I don't want to call it good, but you could be good again. (laughs) Yeah,
0: hold my own. Yeah. 90 minutes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You skipped forward five years, things had changed, but a lot of things had stayed the same. And if you actually look, I mean, a game is still the same thing that we did years ago. It has an up, down, left, right, as its major functions. It has a kill button or a throw something with one hand, a throw something with the other hand, you know, and, and that's all that it is. And stories are basically the same. You just said it in movies. There's an object of the game. It's always to get to a certain goal. How you get to that goal is what changes. And what makes it really exciting in games is your deal with people now rather than with machine which is fixed The people that are playing the game help create different ways of getting to that end goal That change continuously and that's why it's exciting for a multiplayer game That's why being connected to other people is exciting because machines do the same thing over and over again
0: Oh, yeah, I, I love playing online with other people because Versus machines because they're always doing something like you wouldn't expect, and then these behaviors and trends emerge, and then that creates uh, styles. But do you have to you have to jump off real quick? I, I know uh, no, no, I'm something. I'm
1: okay. I was just uh, okay. I was just getting rid of that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. The future is amazing, yep. and I'm very excited. And I want to give you a compliment too. Sure. Uh, and that that compliment is, you know, I get to talk to a lot of people, and uh, w- one of the things. I get really excited and I I just get excited by this stuff, but I don't meet a lot of people who still get really excited. And so to see you really excited and be as far as you are in your career and to still be really excited makes me feel like I can, I don't have to hide that as much. Like I can still be excited. I don't have to like curb that down for other people. I can still be pumped up.
1: I I, I appreciate that. I thank you for it. And I, uh, if, if, if I give you this advice, don't, it's uh if I, I wish that more more people would wake up in the morning and say, you know, there is something great that's going to happen today. And my job is actually to figure out what that thing is and to do it every single day of your life. You know, we 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 get too often we get tied down with what can't happen, what shouldn't happen, what other people are doing to us. We 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 can get trapped in that sort of negativeness, and it's completely unnecessary. The the ability for humans in general to solve problems and create a better space is almost unlimited in my opinion. And so, so every day I look at like, you get, you get this opportunity, you go, you go away for, for me it's five hours, for other people it's eight, but you go away for five hours and you wake up and you get a blank sheet to work on and there is no constraint of what you do. And then you just make sure that you're doing something that you really enjoy on average every day of your life. And mine happens to be in the space that I've chosen, which is to, in telecommunications, but, but it could be in farming. People can get excited and interested about any one of these things. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what you see is what you get with me. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Where are you physically located?
1: So I'm physically in, uh, in North Carolina. We're, our, we're officed out of, um, out of Hickory, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, you may know of Hickory. That used to be the furniture capital of the world. But what you didn't probably know is this is also the area where fiber optics in the United States actually took off, and it's still its its major home. Both uh, both Comscope and Corning, two big names in in fiber optics, are located out of out of uh, Hickory, North Carolina.
0: Where is that? Like, is it northwest? Like, what, what corner yeah, of the So state it's is uh,
1: north of uh, basically north of Charlotte. Okay. By about uh, 40, fifty minutes. Depending on how uh, quickly you
0: go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just pulled it up on Google Maps. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because so I spent a lot of time up in the uh, Cherokee National Forest. Not a, not Hala or not a Hala, however you say it. Yeah. Yep. That's great. So I've pretty, we've, I've hiked like all up. I've gone hiking there. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so we actually did so many of those mountains. And then uh, my sister used to live over in Boone. And mm-hmm, that's gorgeous yeah. area too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you do come back out this way, uh, you should uh, you should swing by. We'll show you what the inside of a plant building a lot of this stuff looks like. It's, uh, it's interesting.
0: That would be pretty amazing. I've got some cool pictures on my phone too. Dad um, was in the Air Force and yeah. the, some of the first GPS units that they had that were like the size of a small building, uh, you know?
1: Okay. So again, I'll date myself a little bit, but um, uh, I was working for Motorola and we were making base stations at the time. These were CDMA base stations. Well, actually they were analog base stations. They needed to have timing. And for timing, you, you you need to get timing from somewhere. And this is before the GPS satellites were allowed to go to the public. So we had a backup system with the, the round system that was a broadcasting system used for ships. And we had these crystal oscillators that we would use. The crystal oscillators would have to be temperature compensated and they would hold your timing. And they cost thousands of dollars to do. And then GPS modules came around and they were, you know, four or $5,000 and then you had chips that were doing it for hundreds of dollars. And now you get GPS in a, you know, I don't know, in a box of cornflakes. It's basically free. That's over a span of 35 or 40 years. We've gone down you know, five orders of magnitude and cost on something that's just fundamental. And so, yeah, I mean, those the old boxes and the old antennas that you needed to make these work. It's incredible what has happened. It's incredible. So
0: back in the 90s, uh, yeah. my dad, he was the second or third hire at this company that invented these these screens, uh, like eight, 10-inch screens that went inside of golf carts. And okay. it would communicate back to the pro shops and you could order stuff and they would track their yep. carts. Yep. and. Uh, and so they were putting these GPS chips that were like this big in the, into them. So he would have me uh, like soldering and screwing, uh, these into like all weekend, putting these GPS chips that were like, like that big into them. Awesome. And, uh, I just remember, I just remember doing that. I mean, growing up, my house smelt like, um, like electronics like because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause we would have to, uh, they shipped. So they were a startup that ended up getting publicly traded and doing really, really well, hundreds of employees. And. Mm-hmm. uh but they they shipped their first batch out to like tempe arizona i think it was mm-hmm. and they melted because <laughs> we live in florida yeah. and it's hot but it's humid yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's 20 desert. degrees cooler than it was in, in tempe
0: <laughs> yeah so we had these uh we had these ovens in our garage and we'd be baking electronics and so my house smelled like baked electronics growing up and uh and so that that whole that solder smell is something that like when i smell it it takes me back to childhood
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, you know, that's another thing you, you we don't we don't think about, but today we're using virtually two of our senses, right? When we when we communicate. We're using vision and we're using sound. So eyes and ears. We have five senses. Who's to say that tomorrow we won't be more immersive? You won't have smell. You won't have taste. You know, you won't have touch. We need neuralink. Uh, there you go. Exactly. I mean, I, and, and I'm serious. Those are, we, we started off with audio, which is just hearing I and mean, we changed to audio and visual, but that's only two of five. I, I think there's a long way to go for, for, for communicating.
0: Let's take some bets here. So okay. obviously video is higher bandwidth than audio. Yes. Right. Is, is uh, smell higher or lower than video?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with smell is lower than video, and I'm going to go with touch being higher than video. Okay. All right. I'll just take the opposite
0: bets just so we can have a conversation okay, there you go. in a few years. <laughs> I'll,
1: meet, I'll, meet you, I'll meet you in a decade when it's available.
0: <laughs> Dude, we're doing it too. This is a, this is amazing. Yeah, because those advancements with the haptic feedback suits and stuff. Yep. I, was, I was hearing from people that they have like zombies will hit you on the chest. You can feel the hand and like, yep. oh, it's so interesting.
1: Yeah, and what will be amazing is, uh, and, and you've sort of seen it a little bit with controllers. You know, uh, I think Microsoft had one out with a gaming machine where you didn't actually need a controller. So you get yeah. co- controllers on the Xbox, right, and they have some feedback to you, some feedback in it. Then you get some, you know, sensors that are just watching your hands move. But they're starting to work on sensors that will, not sensors, but devices that will allow you to give feedback through through air motion, so you don't need anything in your hand. So you get that feel back, not by having a suit, but by things that are around you. So you're unconstrained from a suit. That's so, unbelievable. Yeah. You're, you're, again, you know, we're going to see things like we, we couldn't believe. And, and the question will be, when can your entire body be fooled into thinking that you're actually doing something that you're not doing?
0: Unless you know, you, it already is.
1: Well, Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Maybe this is all a dream. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, we've gone from roller coasters to now you can do roller coasters indoors and your body thinks you're in great motion. I mean, you've seen those, but then if you just look off sight slightly, you realize you're just being rattled around. Well, What happens if your entire environment is being pushed and pulled and all of your senses are being confused? You won't be able to know the difference.
0: Have you done the void yet? I have not. Oh,
1: I encourage you great? to do it.
0: Oh, yes. Have, okay. have you heard of it yet?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, so we we live uh, like two hours south of Orlando, which is yep, like a yep, yep. huge tourist area. So they have sure. one of them there. And uh, we did it. And it's it was like a 15-minute experience. But I'll tell you what, the entire time I was kind of like wanting to take the goggles off. Like, how are they doing this? This is so yep. cool. The heat, they're doing like fireballs. You're feeling the heat. It, yep. is, it is something else. They do a great job at tricking your senses
1: yeah exactly and that, and that's really you know to gain to gain the sort of experience that we're going to have in the future you know right now it's pretty good because i can see you you can see me you can see how i'm feeling you, you know you said hey you're excited about things you can see things like that that would have been harder just with audio but it will not be that long before we actually are sitting at a table virtually and we i won't help. be able to differentiate that between that and actually sitting next to the person in reality
0: i watched i tr- I keep up actively on like watching the YouTube videos, trying to figure out is that a rendering of the future or do they have that product? Did they just get money because they have it and they want to multiply the product, or did they just get money to make the rendering of it? You yep, know, yep, exactly, exactly. I want oh, it. I want it so bad. <laughs> so as we start to wrap up here, I yep. gotta, I gotta know like what are what are your thoughts on like the like how because we were talking about the future and everything, like how will we look at Privacy, like how's privacy going to change? Have you thought about that at all?
1: Yeah, so um, it, it is one of the bigger issues that we have, and we've uh, um, uh, we, we've we've to a certain extent lost track of that in our rush for not paying for things. Um, and I, I think ultimately it will end up being a currency that you will decide: uh, Do I wish to pay for it with with information? Uh, it's sort of the ultimate currency. Or do I decide to uh, to pay for it with some other type of currency? I'll call it dollars, for, for lack of a better thing. Um, because today, uh, you are paying for it unless you're very careful with information. And um, I think one of the big changes that will go on is people are starting to recognize this. Uh, people don't get a job because of things they posted on Facebook. Um, is sort of a, a perfect example of how that can directly uh, affect you. Um, but um, imagine your, your medical records were, were to be open to everybody. Maybe you don't get a job because you're too expensive to insure. Okay? Um, maybe nobody will take you into a hospital because you're predisposed to cost the hospital more money than they can recover, even if you were insured. And, and those are just those. Those make things very personal. So, um, and and the irony, of course, is people take a DNA test at at 23andMe, which keeps a database of what everybody does, and they they actually pay money to do this. So you're paying money to have somebody else find out lots of information about you. Seems pretty strange to me. So I I think what's going to happen in in relative short order, next 20 years is that that whole that the information will be um, metered you will continually have choices do i want to have people do i want to pay $23 and get my dna done or do i want to spend $1000 and get my dna done one they keep my dna information two they don't and so it it'll be a, it'll be lots and lots of choices you have and people will have to decide whether their information is worth something or not long term and short term and I, I think it's one of the bigger problems that we're going to face because their business is built on it. I mean, Google as a business is built on mining eyes. Facebook is mining eyes. That's how they make their money.
0: That's interesting. I, I like what you said about the idea that we're already paying for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, I pay for Pandora. Like mm-hmm. I pay for like, I don't, my wife, it's weird. It's like we're two different people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we are. But, uh, she doesn't. She she doesn't. She like, she does the ads. It doesn't bother her. She listens to radio. She does Pandora for free. And I'm like, what? I can't. I don't want to be influenced by the ads. I don't want that because that they can affect your, they're designed to actually affect your emotional state. And I don't like that. So I would have no problem. Like I actually kind of wish Instagram or one of these, these services would just open up a paid option. Like maybe let me pay you 20 bucks a month. That's why I don't see ads. Like I'm so sick of these people coming through my feeds, trying new ways to grab my attention. It's like, I'm not, when I want to go buy, even if they said, okay, I pay 10 bucks a month or whatever. I know ads. And then maybe another option where when I'm going to purchase something, if I purchase it through your directory, we both save money or you get money. Like there's, I think there's better, more mature monetization models that everybody could agree on.
1: So you're going to, you're going to end up, I don't think there will be one you're going to end up with a whole bunch of different models and people are going to choose. You're going to choose to to pay for it. Other people are going to go through advertising. And in the case of a Pandora, it's very overt. In other words, you know you are paying for ad free and you know that you are paying for ad or that you're getting the service through, through listening to ads. Um, those services uh, are, are very overt. Where I think you get far more covert is not that you have ads when you do a Google search, but that those ads are targeted at you and are using all the information they've collected from you. And most people don't understand how to limit that amount of collection if they desire that so that people know something about you. Interesting uh, thing that happened. Um, you, you use these cards when you're in... in um, in stores. And I don't remember which one did this, but, um, they have these reward cards and the reward cards, the reason you get a discount is because they're using that information to sell things to you. That's, they're monetizing it. So it's not free either. Uh, and they really freaked out expectant mothers and really had a backlash because they were suggesting people buy prenatal care things or things for children, before women knew they were pregnant, based on other habits that they had. And people took that as very invasive. And so you see these occasional backlashes that go on. But I think ultimately, it's all going to be about choice. You're gonna have to opt into things. You're gonna have to agree that, hey, my privacy is okay to be disturbed in this spot. Uh, Somebody like myself, uh, you would see very little on uh somebody like my sister you might see a lot and that's that's okay if it's all overt i think
0: because what it does where where i find uh happiness right or a lot of things come from is expectation right and i believe we we should approach everything uh and this is just the american in me uh Mm -hmm. with the the right that we have an expectation to privacy Yep. And we should, it, everything else should be like overt, like or it should be very clear that we are giving up this, uh, like, I don't think the, you know, end user licensing agreements are enough because it, it just needs to be like really clear what we're giving up yep. and we need to be able to make an exchange. I should be able to say no and pay you money, um, you know, but right to, now the way it's top. set up is you you get locked out of the ecosystem if you don't give it up.
1: Well, that, that's exactly right. And and so this overt opting in is, is terribly important, but we've been really late to the privacy game as a society. Um, I'll give you uh, my favorite one of these. Um, until 2011, uh, here's what you would have to do to know somebody else's social security number. Number one, lots of businesses asked for it and everybody gave it away, the last four digits of your social security number. They would just give that up instantly. Okay. If you went on a bus, you could hear someone on the telephone actually say what the last four digits were. Okay. Now social security number is made up of three digits plus two digits plus four digits. So you are giving up four. Hmm. Leaves you five left. Okay. But do you know what the first three were? Oh, it had to do with location, didn't it? It was location. It was where you were born because typically it was given away. So you go to somebody's social media account and you just got, of the nine numbers, you just got the last four and the first three. Now, 00 was never used and 99 was never used. And they were assigned odd, even, odd, even, odd, even. I had a one in 50 chance of knowing your entire number with no effort whatsoever. And yet you gave that away and you didn't think that was private, but everything in your life is tied to this if you weren't very careful about it. So we've been really late to this game. And I think it's really important that people recognize, yeah, you got a problem if it's all laid out there, even if you're a good person, because other bad actors can come in and make huge serious damage to you uh, because all this information is just sort of, I'll call it trusted. And the smaller a footprint out there, the less damage they can do to you
0: it's amazing. And then with the deep fake stuff, like I could actually make a video, copy, steal your voice, steal yep. your face and show you coming in, sitting down with me and signing a contract Absolutely. for something you never came in and signed a contract for.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a societal problem because without this, you end up without trust and without trust, you can't have commerce. And without commerce, gosh, we got a huge problem. It's sort of uh, actually you go to things that are, that are challenged. We we, we're in the information age. I I think we've blown right past that. We're in the misinformation age. And the the people that are going to actually capitalize on this is if somebody can figure out how to truly disseminate misinformation from fact-based information, they will make an absolute fortune because most of us don't take the time to go and look through three independent sources to try to figure out is the information real or is it made up? so that's another problem that needs to be solved maybe that quantum computer can do it
0: i'm hoping yeah right it's gonna have to take like energetic and biological samples of me at the time of signing
1: i'm not kidding (laughs) maybe carbon date carbon date the signature because the signature isn't worth anything it can be faked yeah
0: but like i said you know we we wake up in the morning with silver lining and we say where can we contribute uh to help move this society forward because we're moving forward yep. like it's 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 going to move forward and there's pain along the way and pain creates growth and resilience and we'll keep going forward but uh i i'm excited i'm excited about the future
1: you and me you and me both it uh, gets me up every morning and uh yeah it's uh I, I wouldn't want to be in the world at any other time or place
0: you this is great my friend i lost track of time we made a podcast there you go
1: well, uh, I appreciate your, uh, your having me on. It's been a great discussion.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to mark you on the list, and we'll have you on you know, next year or in, in the future because I really enjoyed talking to you. And then uh, when all this social distancing stuff's over and uh, I'm around the North Carolina area, I'll make sure to stop by and say hello.
1: P- please do. You're, all, you're always welcome. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me on. I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the conversation. It gave me some new things to think about.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Talk soon, okay. Morgan.
1: Take it easy. Bye now.
0: Bye.